So have you ever been at odds? At odds, you know, you have a conflict or there's some kind of strain. You've been at odds or you are at odds with something or someone. Maybe you've been at odds this morning. Maybe when you got up this morning, your, your normal Sunday morning cup of coffee was replaced with rich, sparkling, dark, decaffeinated Folgers crystals. And you took a taste of that, and you were at odds over the taste of that coffee. Something was not right. Or maybe you were late for church today, and you pulled up in the parking lot, and everybody in your car was still at odds over whose fault it actually was that you were late. You don't have to raise your hand. We know it happens somewhere today. Or maybe you started working on your taxes this week, and you are at odds with that final number when it comes to your adjusted gross income. It's, it's feeling a little conflicting there. Or maybe you are at odds with whether the check engine light that keeps flashing up on your car is real or not. You know, Maybe it's just an illusion. Maybe it's not really there. Maybe you're at odds this morning because on Monday mornings you get up and you stand on the scale and you are at odds with what appears in that little screen when you stand on the scale. Something's not right. You don't like it. Or maybe you're at odds this morning because you're changing the color of the curtains in your bedroom and and you don't know if you should go with blush or or bashful. It's all pink to me, you know. Actually, I'm colorblind, so really it's all red, you know, anything. I I don't know whether it's pink or not. You know, just a minute this week, if you would look at the news, you will find that there's lots of things at odds. There's countries that are at odds over regional budgeting. There's city councils all over our country that are at odds over zoning issues. There's county councils that are at odds over election issues. There's unions at odds over employee contracts. There's restaurant chains at odds with their franchisees over promotions. There's legislators, they're at odd over particular legislation. And there are candidates of all walks and all parties that are at odds over the truth. There's a lot of odds out there in the world. But what if you were at odds with something that's bigger than all of those things? What if you were at odds with something that has a a greater and more significant impact than just where you live or where you shop or where you vote? What if you're at odds with something that has a greater impact than just how much you weigh or how much money you make or how much the stock market falls or rises? What if you're at odds with something that is greater than just which kind of coffee you get served or or which deductions you decide to use or which color curtain you pick? What if today you're at odds with something that doesn't just apply to today and it doesn't just apply to this week or this month? What if you're at odds today with something that is significantly more important than who gets elected president? What if you're at odds today with something that has absolutely no expiration date? If you're at odds with something like that, then you must deal with it. If you're at odds with something that that's defining and and that's significant, then you must deal with it. So, what kind of odds are we talking about? Well, let's see if we can find out. The Apostle Paul is writing to his friends in a place called Ephesus. This is what he said to them beginning in Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 12. Remember 
that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The most defining and most significant and greatest thing that you can be at odds with is not a thing, it's a person. And that person is not your apathetic spouse, it's not your rebellious child, it's not that candidate that makes you fearfully angry. Now, the person that you are at odds with, the the greatest person you could ever be at odds with is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. To be at odds with God means that today you are separated from that which is perfectly good and perfectly holy and right and just and beautiful and loving and satisfying. But not just today. To be at odds with God means that when you breathe your last, you will ultimately and eternally be at odds, be separated from that which is perfectly good and right and just and holy and beautiful and loving and satisfying. Now, does that mean non-Christians can't have beauty and love in in this world? You've got to be a Christian to have beauty and love? No. There are people who will live in this life without Jesus Christ on this earth, and they will experience tons of beauty and love, but they will only experience a taste. And that taste will only be when when all the stars align, so to speak, for them, or or when they're in a a beautiful place in nature, or or when they're holding a, a precious baby, or when they're laughing with their children, or when they're rocking it out at their favorite concert. Because see, that taste of beauty, that, that taste of love, that, that taste of what is satisfying will be dependent on the circumstances. I was reading about a play this week, and one of the characters in the play says this, No, I have never been happy. I thought I was, but it has never really been so. No, only Mary. Only Mary. In other words, they they had merriment, they had fun, they had fun in life, but they were never truly happy. Are you ignoring or rejecting God's truth? Are you at odds with God today? If so, then the best hope you have is some merriment, some, some fun here on this earth, but you cannot have true lasting happiness. True lasting happiness might be best described with the word joy. Joy. You can be happy and not have joy, but, but joy just, just feeds happiness. See, I, I could be happy today with the potential that the Blue Aprons, the guys cooking our chicken today, have taken a piece of chicken, wrapped it in bacon, and fried it for me. Okay? I can be happy that the potential of that happened. I could be even happier if it actually happened and I truly got to enjoy that delightful morsel. That would make me really happy. But if I don't get the chicken, if all I get is a a glass of water and a crust of bread, then I can be happy. Why? Because true lasting happiness is, is deeper It's deeper than just getting a piece of chicken. It's deeper than all of that. Because true lasting happiness is best described as joy. 
See, joy means in this life, I can have merriment, I can have fun, but if I don't, if instead of merriment, I have more misery, and instead of fun, I have a lot of frustration, I can still be happy. Why? How? Well, Paul tells us, listen to verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I once was separated. I once was excluded. I once was lost. I once was without hope. I once was without God. But now, because of and, and through Christ Jesus, I have been brought near. I am no longer separated. I am no longer excluded. I am included. I am close. I am near. I have hope and I am with God. How is that possible? Because the odds have changed. I am no longer at odds with God because of Christ. I have now been brought near. Things are right between me and God. So, are you near? Have things been made right between you and God? Or today, are you still at odds with God? And, and how is it even possible? How is it possible that the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you could actually be right with that God? How is that even possible? Paul says it's because of the blood of Jesus. God is the only perfectly just being in the universe. And because he is perfectly just, he cannot ignore sin. That's, that's the opposite of being perfectly just. See, he can't just ignore sin. He can't just sweep it under the rug and, and act like it doesn't exist. Even if you don't believe in God, you kind of want God to be just. Why? Well, because deep down inside every one of us, we want things to be made right. We want that to happen. We don't want evil things to happen, and we don't want evil things to happen to us. But if there are evil things that happen, we don't want the evil to win. We don't want them to get away with it. But if there is no God, if there is no God, that means that justice depends on you. If there's no God, then that means perfect justice depends on you or me or the next president or the next king or the next queen or the next Supreme Court justice or the next general or the next celebrity with a noble cause. And is that bad? I mean, shouldn't we expect our leaders to to act in a way that is fair and just? Yes, by all means. But can they always perfectly act in a way that is fair and just? Think of it this way. What if you were elected president of the United States in November? I mean, just chew on that for a second. What if you were elected president of the United States this November? Here's the question. Would you do everything with perfect fairness and perfect justice? 
Would you do things in such a way that everybody all the time would be happy with the decisions you made because you always act perfect in fairness and perfect in justice? Let me hurt your feelings a little bit. You can't even act fair and just in a perfect way in your own home. You can't even be perfectly fair and just with your own family, and neither can I. It's it's not in us. Now, does that mean just do whatever you want? Hey, no big deal. Hey, we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. So, hey, you know, just let her fly, you know? Is that it? No. No, we need to, as much as we possibly can, honor and obey the spiritual laws and the national laws, and the natural laws, and the laws of common sense to the best of our ability, but we will never be able to do it perfectly. We will never be able to be perfect in justice and perfect in fairness. So we want someone who can. We need someone who can. We long for someone who can be perfect in fairness and perfect in justice because if there is no one who is worthy, If there's no one who perfectly acts justly and perfectly acts with fairness, then the old saying is true, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But be of good cheer. In fact, be of great cheer because there is someone. There is someone worthy. There is someone just. There is someone fair, perfectly worthy, perfectly just, perfectly fair. God is perfectly just. He is perfectly just. And in his kindness, he has made this way once and for all for justice to be served. At any given moment, whenever you are reading that news story and you say, justice is not being served, look to the cross. Because the cross means justice has been served once and for all. God has perfectly handled justice, and he did it with mercy. He has handled justice with the most merciful act that has ever been committed. And what's that act? The crucifixion of Jesus. And somebody's thinking, man, bless his heart, he hit his head hard this morning. It's crazy. How in the world can the brutal execution of Jesus be described as something that satisfies justice and does it with mercy? How is that possible? Here's how. Because the blood of Jesus is not like my blood and it's not like your blood. The blood of Jesus is not not type A or, or type B or type O. Let's just call it type Z, because there are zero impurities. The blood of Jesus is perfect and pure and spotless. The blood of Jesus, because it is perfect and pure and spotless, is the only blood that can conquer the eternal death of sin. Only the blood of Jesus. When a person gets a blood transfusion, it's because their body has has lost blood and that transfusion is is adding blood back into their body that they desperately need. It is a life-saving process. But I was reading this week that if they get the wrong type of blood, then the antibodies that are already in their body 
will actually attack the donor blood and destroy the cells. The, the types have to be right. See, what makes the blood of Jesus so merciful is that it is the type for every single person in the universe, past, present, and future. See, only the blood of Jesus can attack the eternal death of sin. Only the blood of Jesus can destroy the eternal death of sin. And Jesus voluntarily initiated that attack and that destruction. And because he did, the odds have changed. The odds have changed. Not the odds of what may or may not happen, but the odds between us and God. You see, sin puts us at odds with God. And what can wash away that sin? What can change those odds? Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only his blood can save. And what does that blood produce? What does it make? Well, the Bible says it makes peace. That, that when we repent and turn to Christ, that Jesus makes peace between us and God. But he doesn't just make peace. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14. For he himself is our peace. He is our peace. Let's just see if we can kind of feel the weight of this for a second. So you have probably heard someone say or seen them post something on social media about their spouse or their kids or their pet koala bear or somebody, and, and it usually goes something like this. Oh, she's my everything, you know, or he's my life, or she's my heart. And what that is is a very direct, specific way of sharing love. He is, she is. But listen to, to this perspective on my life and, and then try to make the connections for your life. So Karen is my wife, but she is not my peace. Bailey is my daughter, but she is not my peace. Meredith is my daughter, but she is not my peace. Carter is my son, but he is not my peace. Holden is my son. And he is not my peace. In fact, he just drives me crazy. <laughs> Bless Holden. Holland Avenue Baptist Church is my church, but it is not my peace. Clemson is my team, but it is not my peace. South Carolina is my birthplace, but it is not my peace. America is my country, but it is not my peace. Why? Because as beautiful and wonderful and, and fantastic as all of those people and those places are to me personally, none of them can give my soul lasting peace. Why? Well, think about it. Every now and then, our families don't really create peace in our lives all the time, right? I mean, there's some conflict there. And think about the reality that our, our church, <laughs> you know, hopefully not too often, but, but folks at church don't always create peace in our lives, right? 
And when we're sitting in that stadium or at home on the sofa eating a Hot Pocket and we're watching the game, our favorite team doesn't always create peace in our lives, do they? And when tax time comes or when the potholes don't get fixed or when our voting precinct suddenly changes, our state doesn't always bring peace to our lives. And when tax time comes, or when a presidential campaign is in full gear, or when we're sitting in rush hour traffic in Atlanta or Houston or L.A. or New York City, or when we're just reading the national news, the status of our country doesn't always bring peace in our lives, does it? But Jesus is not like that. You see, our candidates and our elected officials, they change from year to year, but Jesus is unchangeable. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And those numbers on our taxes, they change from year to year, but the numbers of Jesus never change. He's always first, he's always last, he's the alpha, he's the omega. He doesn't change. And the news on your social media feed or talk radio or or your TV, it changes every hour, sometimes making you angrier and arrogant or worried or afraid, hour by hour by hour. But there is one headline that throughout history will always crush every other headline. Let me repeat that. There is one headline That no matter what you hear on the radio, no matter what you see on TV, no matter what you scroll through on social media, this headline crushes them all. And the headline goes like this, he is risen, he is risen indeed. That headline never fails. There's a story told that during World War II, American and and German soldiers were exchanging some gunfire on a farm. The family who lived on the farm, they, they escaped away into the barn and they were hiding out, trying to have some protection. But, but their three-year-old daughter, she got scared, she got rattled, and she broke away and ran out of the barn and ran right out into the middle of the shooting field. Both sides saw the little girl and they stopped. And they ceased fire until that little girl was out of harm's way. That one little girl stepped into a a wild, violent moment, and she brought peace. Jesus Christ, through his blood, has made the way, and he desires to step into your most frantic moment your most fearful moment, your most anxious moment, your most angry moment, your most arrogant, prideful moment, he desires to step in and bring peace. He himself is our peace. So, question for your heart. Do you have that peace? Is Jesus Christ your peace? Have you responded to his call to repent and follow after him? Has Jesus crushed the odds between you and God and made things right and brought you near? If so, 
then what should it do to your life? Or maybe today I'll ask it this way. If so, what should it do in the life of this church? You see, today we celebrate 65 years of ministry here at Holland Avenue Baptist Church. And here is what is immensely beautiful about what we celebrate today about this particular church and really any church that calls on the name of Jesus. We are part of God's plan to help people who are at odds with him. We're not here just to come shake each other's hand and hug each other and and just love our church. We want to do that. But, But we exist as part of God's plan to help people who are at odds with him. We exist to bring hope to this community and to this world. Dear Christian, you once were excluded, separated, far off, without hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, through his blood, You have been brought near to God, and now you have peace with God. Why? Because Jesus is now your peace. And today, for the next 65 years, and today, now more than ever, this community, this state, this nation and this world, they need to hear from us the hope that drives the very existence of this church. They need to hear the hope that drives the existence of every Christian in this church. And what is that hope? That hope is simply this. that Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the King, He is our peace. Jesus himself, he is our peace. May we step into the world, a world at odds with God, and may we take them the peace that passes all understanding because Jesus is our peace.